Welcome to Why Is This Good, a podcast by the Naples Writers Workshop. I'm Christine, and I'm here with John. Hey, John. Yo, yo. Oh, wow. wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do with John? Okay, uh, it's my turn. During one of our last workshops, we talked about flash fiction and what it is and all this stuff. And we've done one or two pieces of flash fiction on the podcast, but I thought, all right, I should probably start bringing more because they're great. And uh, you can definitely sit down and read it. And there's... And learn from it and definitely record a 30-minute podcast about it, whether or not you think you have enough to say. We should aim for 45. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a piece of flash fiction I found on a list of flash fiction, which is how I find so many of my stories these days. But I really liked it because it's extremely modern. So it was published in 2017 in a publication called Monkey Bicycle. It's called This Is How You Failed to Ghost Him by Victoria McCurdy. I think it's... Something like three to 500 words. No, it's a thousand. This is a thousand? This is a thousand. Yep. Shit. All right. It reads really quick. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. I'm going to read the last third. I'm going to read to the end, too, because I think kind of the point of this is that flash fiction can still accomplish that like emotional impact in a tight space. Back in your apartment, turn on the white noise machine because your roommate is having loud sex. Switch on the little white lights that you have strung across your bedroom ceiling. Pretend you are lying in a bed that happens to be in a Greek taverna, the twinkling lights replacing stars. Turn the white noise to the sound of electronic waves. Feel the pounding of your roommate's headboard against your shared wall and a deep-throated male laughter. Think how you used to have a boyfriend who was not a sumo wrestler. Wonder how OkCupid and then Tinder and then Bumble have failed you. And as it will surely come to nothing, how you never want to communicate with the Playmobil boy again. Startle from a muzzy sleep at the sound of bells ringing. Recognize the new chime you have programmed into your phone. Ascending bells, how it is a cheerful sound, a hopeful sound. Three notes rising upward into the air. Sink deeper into the mothering down of your pillow and pull the covers up over your ears, letting the waves from the sound machine lull you out to sea. At the second sound of bells, reach towards your cluttered nightstand, pushing aside books and cough drop wrappers until you find your phone. Worry it will be him. Worry it won't be him. Worry it will just be another dick pic. Do not expect the text you read. I have the feeling that neither of us own tarantulas or feeder crickets, but I enjoyed meeting you. Feel charmed, but also cautious as you read and reread his words. Admit that you found him the littlest bit attractive. See from the dots that he is still typing, but do not respond yet. Not yet. Listen to the waves, see the twinkling lights as stars, and keep the phone on your chest over your heart till the instant Consistent peal of possibility chimes once more. So, like I said, I picked it because it was flash fiction. I wanted to bring in a piece of flash fiction. I liked this one and I liked that it was super modern. It reminded me a lot of a uh, cat person just because this is, you know, about the pitfalls of online dating. Texting and dating, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was cat person too. Yeah. That's, I mean, you'd think there'd be more stories about this that we knew of, but I don't think millennials are writing this kind of fiction yet or at least getting it published. So the section that I read though, I feel like it builds because she's kind of repeating all those things. She's repeating the noise machine. She's repeating the stars. And then she introduces the 
repeating tone of the phone. And so you feel it all like circling and circling, like rising and rising. And then I think it ends not with a major plot, although we can decide where we think it's going. But I just like how it ends with what she's trying to accomplish, which is like, I wonder what the phone's going to say. She is sensing possibility and we're hoping alongside her at that point. And we can like kind of leave the story almost prematurely and still feel that hope alongside her. This is to me like the power of something short, like leaving the story before it's over, but still feeling satisfied. Yeah, because it's not the point of the story isn't necessarily what's going to happen next. The point of the story is she gets to this feeling. Yeah. And that feeling relies on her not necessarily pursuing what's happening next. It's like this hopefulness that occurs. Yeah. You know, it could be dashed by the next text, but what we want is that feeling. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times readers, especially if we're sharing a piece like this in the workshop and, and the writer is right there in front of you, readers are like demanding. I don't need to know the answer, but what do you think happened? What do you, th- what do you think happened? Uh, what, are the t- what are the next texts say? And it's always really frustrating when the writer says, I don't know, because you, you would hope that they would have an idea. But in a story like this, you can definitely buy that she doesn't know either because the effect that she was trying to achieve was hopefulness. It doesn't yeah. matter what the text says. It's Yeah. So a lot of times we'll demand these answers, but as long as we felt a certain way, then we know that that doesn't matter. Maybe a better way to think of those kind of questions is if your reader is demanding an answer that they haven't been satisfied, you know, because I don't really care what the text says in this situation. That's not what I'm left thinking. Yeah. Cause we're with the, the character and in her emotions. I mean, if you're, if you're, reading for character that's what you're going to be there for i mean if if you're like i don't know maybe there's somebody out there who is all about plot and doesn't care about character and then they would wonder what the text is that seems like a plot kind of thing yes but what happened in the story has already brought us to the character moment that we wanted yeah this is what I mean when I say I don't care about plot or like I don't write stories with plot. This obviously has plot. You can tell me what happened in the story, what the premise was. and There's action. There's scene. I'm not saying that I want every story to happen in a character's head and the character never leaves bed. That's right. Every story is just somebody sitting in an armchair looking at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> but as uh, I'm only interested in plot as a premise for these kinds of emotional reactions. So this is flash fiction because of the the word length. It could be longer. It could become a short story where instead of coming home from the first date and seeing that text, like, you know, this goes on and on and on for longer, but the the lasting effect is the same where she's hopeful for whatever reason. And it doesn't have to end in the same way where she's hopeful for what the text says, but she can be hopeful for whatever. Yeah. But when you tell yourself you have a word count or when you start writing and you decide like, this is as far as I want to take it, you realize really quickly like that you can do it. You don't have to overdo it. You don't have to keep going. There's no one telling you a short story has to be this many pages or words. If you've accomplished it, like you can tap out. Flash fiction is this option where it's like you've satisfied the reader. You can tap out now. Yeah, it's interesting that Edgar Allan Poe, the single effect in a prose story, kind of defined the genre of short stories for the next 150, 170 years. And um, we kind of expect a short story to do that, the build up to that lasting impact at the end. And now we've shrunk it down to that's what flash fiction does. Flash fiction gives us this, you know, momentaneous impact as well. And I don't know. So the question becomes, what then is a short story supposed to be if 
if flash fiction is accomplishing that at a thousand words, like why do you need 7,000? Why do you need 5,000? Yeah. And the only answer I have for that is that you don't need that much, but there are some stories that you just want to keep reading. There's yeah. some stories that earn that length for other reasons than the emotional impact and more for how the same way you don't want your favorite book to end, even though it's over, you know? Yeah, that's part of it. That's definitely part of it. And I think you can build up different kinds of emotional journeys with more space. Yeah. Like um, flash fiction is still going to be very narrow, like a narrow band of emotion because it is short. You're not going to get this immense movement in it because you don't have the space to move that much. Right. Whereas in short fiction, you you have more space for more movement. But, you know, they're still accomplishing the same thing, which is it's it's like flash fiction is this new form. Well, it's not that new, but it's, it's this new form, but it's still doing the same thing that fiction has always done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess it's the equivalent to of, you know, those gel packs that they sell for runners and they're packed with calories. Oh, yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's a meal, but it's not satisfying like sitting down at a buffet and eating the same amount of calories. There's something efficient about flash fiction, but if you want to really enjoy yourself, short stories are there and so are are novels. That's why sometimes people want a book. That's why sometimes people don't like short stories. Believe it or not, there are people out there that don't like short stories or that don't even know that it exists. Or so many people that join our workshop are like, well, I'm working on a novel, but I guess I'll try short stories. Like it's some lesser version of something. And it's like, uh, yeah, let me blow your mind here for a second uh it's just as good if not better and yes we're snobs about it but i think that's why it exists plus we kind of talked about this in the workshop we talked in the workshop mostly about how there's tons of rules online for what this genre is and they're all very conflicting and i don't know what to think about that other than you kind of know what it is when you see it and this is definitely flash fiction and then you can point out things that it has in common with other flash fiction you're familiar with so in this situation there's four characters but there's really two it's her and the guy she's on a date with her roommate and the guy the roommate's fucking those are the four characters well drawn characters extremely well drawn he has a deep throated laugh that's right but basically there's two characters basically it's a scene in one night and it's one like emotional impact which is hope specifically around perhaps finding love and that can be the same components for a longer story but there are short stories that we know have five and six characters and they're all fully drawn or i think this is a a better marker like a story that covers a lot of time whether or not it's like sequential like if you're gonna have 30 flashbacks that inform the present scene and if you're going to jump ahead or if you want it to be like a coming of age story and even that like an emotional arc for something like coming of age story like that necessitates a bigger space probably and then there's things like epics <laughs> or if you want to have a fantasy and you want to draw a whole world you know you just have to have more time to do it yeah, it's interesting that if you're submitting science fiction fantasy yeah a lot of times the word count limits like twenty thousand words because they understand that you most writers want more space to build a world right. whereas you submitting literary fiction or contemporary you know ordinary fiction i don't know what you want to call it where you, you're just <laughs> you're not building a whole world you're just drawing from common experience you only need five thousand words for that right so their limits are like you know 7,000, 7,500, various versions around that. Right. 
One other thing I could say about this is, you know, it's told in that second person. It's like an imp- yeah. like second person imperative. It reminded me of the Lori Moore story, How to Become a Writer, which she yeah. called something like second person mock imperative, like a self-improvement manual, right? How to Become a yeah, Writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she had, a, she had a really clear reason of why she wrote it in that imperative style. And then the gator butchering for beginners story was also in the same thing, but that was like an instruction manual the same way. Yeah. It's like gator butchering for beginners. This is what you have to do. So you put it in that imperative style, you know, and this one is also in that same verb mode, you know, find yourself unable to listen, blame your inattentiveness on the fact, you know, how all this usually goes. Those kinds of verbs are in the imperative mood, but I was trying to figure out why, why tell it this way? Why, why would this story be in that written that way? And the the only thing I come up with was the swipe right, swipe left thing that is kind of a refrain and here it's used a couple of times, yeah. is the imperative mood, right? That is a command. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, you're telling somebody, okay, swipe right. Okay, swipe left. Yeah. So that kind of suggests the form and that's possible that that's why she wrote it in this way. I don't know for sure. You know, I'm just guessing here, but. It's almost like if she, if that was the first sentence, swipe right, swipe right. Yeah. It could have gone into first person or third person at that point pretty easily. Like I do this every night or whatever, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Right. She probably, I could see her having recognized in the moment, having written it down, that it it reads that way. It reads like second person instruction, like a command. Yeah. And then you just take it and you just go with it. And um, and you get something cool like this. It makes me wonder, you know, there's other stories that are like the Lori Moore, How to Become a Writer was a longer, it wasn't Flash. So you can definitely carry this on in longer pieces. But I feel like flash fiction kind of lends itself to these different kinds of point of view, different kinds of like almost experimental presentation. Yeah. Where you don't want to read it for too long, but we'll allow it for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Like, let's see if this works. Give me a thousand words. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, maybe the reason why that point of view or style works in this piece in particular is because even though the story is about a specific person going on a date with another specific person and they have a specific interaction that's unique to them, she's really writing about the overall online dating experience that everyone, like you said, is going through these days. Everyone is on these mm-hmm. apps. Everyone is swiping. It's this shared experience of dreading it, but also knowing it's your only way to do it. And then even the, the emotional ups and downs are really common. It's not unique to this date. So it's almost like she's trying to capture with this tone, you know, the, the repetitiveness of it. And then how even kind of against your better judgment at the end there, you feel hopeful. It's like a universal story that allows this format almost. Yeah, absolutely. The idea of a shared experience is um it lends itself to this kind of point of view this becomes concrete and specific to a character but the the telling you know the imperative mood isn't always um representative of a specific character it's it's general yeah we've talked about that in the past when i've mistaken second person for something else (laughs) where it's like no they're not talking to you the narrator or the reader sorry oh yeah there's all kinds of ways you can play with that yeah i wrote a story recently that was in the second person but i wasn't thinking of it in this way this wasn't imperative it was uh more the way we talked about it in a story i think we talked about it with the Lori moore story i think rob mentioned it but we were talking about how sometimes when a person's telling a story they'll switch into the second person for like that kind of uh momentous moment in the story they're like so i was 
running a marathon and then I got to the mile 13. And when you hit mile 13, you got to do this and you got to do that. And this happens and it just switches a second person for some reason. And so I was like, I'll write a story in that mode yes. for that moment. But that's totally different. It's second person, but it's totally different than this. You know, I should, right. should write a how to write fiction book called, you know, second person or point of view or something, or you can all just you all the different... <laughs> We're discovering these through the podcast. You can write it and uh, you can dedicate it to me. <laughs> be like, this is for you, Christine, because you don't know the difference. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would I would need to read it for sure. The Gator Butchering for Beginners, I kind of forgot how similar these were in terms of them kind of being prescriptive or whatever, and that they were even like both in second person. Now I feel like I got to bring another flash fiction next time to show you that they're not all like this. That's right. But with that one, same kind of tone of voice and like, you do this, you do that you butcher the gator but that was such a specific unique story and butchering a gator as we pointed out was this massive metaphor for like cutting off contact with the lover uh after a breakup i think so it's universal that way but the the concrete action in that of actually butchering the gator and like cutting its skin off and stuff was that was unique yeah you know, I think it's kind of cool in here where one of the things I liked about this story is she's, um, you know, they're lying to each other on, on the in their meeting. You know, yeah. she's not really paying attention. They're, they're kind of like talking about tarantulas and, um, you know, and what happens, what um, kind of gives her that hopefulness is when he says, I think we were both lying. Can we be real? You know? Yeah. And she's like, you know what? Maybe I want to be real. Maybe I've created this persona, this kind of like barrier between me and, and the possibility of something. And he's trying to like, do you want to take that down? Yeah. He, it's almost like he met her on her level of being completely over this whole concept of online dating. So like when she's zoning out, she's talking about how boring it is to hear everyone's life story. And then she like, she just like kind of accidentally starts lying. She doesn't want to start lying, but she's just, she's like, no, oh, well, my boyfriend is a sumo wrestler. and was born in Tasmania. Yeah. And then like she gets caught in the lie about the tarantulas because he kind of catches on and he says, oh, I have a tarantula too. And yeah. she's like, shit. She, he finds himself also lying. Yeah. And like, you know, she's caught because she doesn't know all the details of how you keep tarantulas alive. And so I think too, at the end there, she's, yeah, she's being seen in that moment too by a guy that kind of called her bluff, but is not annoyed by her. He's intrigued. And there's a moment too, I think where he's like smirking, listening to her. He's amused by her and she's like finally someone that is amused by me i'm amusing (laughs) i'm not just like a throwaway date you know and he gets why she lied he's not thrown off by that so yeah it's hopeful because for this specific story they really do seem compatible you know yeah it's not hopeful like i had a good time and he was polite and he was attractive it's like him specifically he saw something in me and now i'm seeing it in him and i can't help myself but be interested in this process it's a little bit where she's seeing herself as he sees her because there's yeah. these moments where you know most most of the time you say what does the character notice and that helps define what the character is but here she says and because you are dating weary fail to notice the good things about him these are things things that the character does not notice but we're being told about him 
in this kind of weird way, fail to notice the good things about him, that he is not constantly checking his phone, not checking out other women, that he is clean shaven, attentive, and not outwardly crazy, which is, I like that line. And then like a whole other page later, fail to notice that he is staring at you. I think this is the moment you were referring to, that he is staring at you in wonder with a tiny smile as if you are a beautiful, but slightly crazy sea creature. He has discovered Uh in a hidden pool. Yeah. The only thing this reminded me of was um, bullet in the brain where the whole, and after he gets shot in the head, it's like, he did not think about this. He did not think about this until it gets to the moment what he actually thought about and yeah. all that what he's not thinking about builds up his life but then we get to like what he's actually paying attention to whereas this is almost the opposite it's like she's paying attention to the things that don't matter and she's not noticing the things that she should notice or that do matter but that second person allows her to still articulate it right yes like don't notice this but the narrator notices it. yes yeah, that is the moment I was thinking of. And that's one of those like precious moments in a, in a short, short, short story. Yeah. And the way it's rendered there with, with a tiny smile, as if you are a beautiful but slightly yeah. crazy sea creature he has discovered in a hidden pool. So many words are going into that moment that you know it's important. Right. right. And you know you'll probably remember it. Like you'll, you'll remember this story maybe for the fact that they lied specifically about tarantulas. And then you might remember a moment like that in particular where he's like. Yeah, because it's such a specific image. Yeah. That discovery of something, you know, something yeah, small. A octopus. Yeah. Your little starfish, something beautiful. Yeah. Well, I think we've probably beat this one to death, but um, do you have a takeaway? I don't have a specific takeaway. I think my takeaway is just flash fiction is is such a um, good playground. Yeah. Because, you know, this is, like I said, it's written in the imperative mood, a kind of second person. And it's hard. It would be hard to do that in a, in a novel, right? But yeah. you, you can you can mess with stuff and, and see what you can do with it and when you limit yourself to only a few thousand words. And even, you know, they say that writing, like you have to be more economical the shorter something gets, right? So yeah. short stories are harder than novels because every word counts but flash fiction is harder than short stories because every word really counts now and you go to poetry from here forget it every word is a gem that you have to like dig out of the ground so from that point of view it could be harder but i think if you just look at flash fiction is like i want to achieve an emotional impact i want to depict a character i want to do this thing that you do in fiction i want to do it really well in a few hundred words and then that's what i want to accomplish you just look at flash fiction as accomplishing just that one thing and then work it and get it to be accomplished. I think that's um, something you can really, something that flash fiction is great for as a form. And yeah. you probably wind up with something publishable because that's what it is. It's not just um, something you have on your computer as like notes for a later novel. Okay. Well, that's what, well, that was my takeaway. So I've talked in the past about a takeaway being like when you make a note of a story that you want to pursue or like a, a flash of an idea. And in the past, what I've done with those ideas that like are not fully realized or like not in my mind enough for a short story, I'll like yeah. put them all in a document and like pick a couple sometimes. And like I've successfully smashed some together. Or I've at least read through that document and been like, God, I'm brilliant. But yeah, it's nice to have. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have. I don't want anyone else to see it, but it's just for me. And uh, <laughs> I have a note like that on my on my phone right now because I came up with like two other things that I was thinking like, maybe this is a poem. This was a couple of weeks ago. I was like, this might be a poem, but I, I'm not a poet. We don't do poetry in the, in the workshop. Like I have no experience with it or anything. I The stuff that I read is the easiest to understand, you know? So I don't want to say that I'm writing a poem. And in the past, I've brought 
what people for years teased me about whether or not it was a poem, but was probably in hindsight, a form of flash fiction. Uh. So it was like, I had this note in my phone the last like month or so. And uh, just like two ideas there. And like, occasionally I would remember the idea was there or like, just see it when I was looking at another note. And then I saw it again uh, yesterday or uh, yeah, yesterday after um, our most recent workshop where we were talking about flash fiction. I was like, Christine, this is flash fiction. It's not poetry. <sighs> it's, a flash, it's a flash fiction idea. And so yeah. I sat at work today on the clock and I wrote out like a flash fiction story based on this one idea because I had the title and I had the last sentence and I was like you have the complete concept you, and I realized I knew what I wanted the emotional arc to be that was and that's usually what the seeds of my ideas are are emotional impact I know some people come up with things that they write down and they're feverishly you know JK Rowling style drawing out the entire Harry Potter novel on a napkin you know like a uh, plot will come to people or character will come to people like occasionally I have that, but I had this like epiphany yesterday that like all of my, all of the things that I am writing down are like emotional impacts or scenes or characters or plots, but I'm enamored by them because of how I hope that they would feel to the reader. And so I like bang this thing out today and I think I can do something with it. You know, I think I'll probably share it eventually or like try to get it published and I'll know exactly where to put it. It's flash fiction. It, it might even be yeah. micro fiction, you know, and now that I have like this genre, this like format you know like i said it's probably easy to get it published so that was my epiphany and it's kind of like if you find yourself like you said like writing down these ideas and lists and things for bigger works or whatever it is you think they might be they also could just be enough for flash fiction absolutely yeah all right thanks guys if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to our monthly newsletter at our website NaplesWritersWorkshop.com. And for daily writing tips, industry news, and great short fiction, join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Naples Writers Workshop.